0: And we come before you knowing that unless you open our eyes to see your word and to see your son in your word, we will not see. Unless you open our ears to hear, we will not hear. Unless you open our hearts to believe, we will not believe. So we pray, O Spirit of God, open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts this morning. God, we, we pray for the, the people of our church and the people who have been connected to our church in some way. We pray for all the ministries that will be happening on campus. We pray that those ministries would point, the, the campus ministries would point students and faculty member and, and staff members to you. And those who are Christians, they would be reminded that they are not alone we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine brightly there uh, here in Corvallis and there on the campus at OSU and, and, and all over. God, we, we believe that you are worthy of praise. You, we believe that you are worthy of worship. And as we dig into Exodus, to, as a reminder that you've delivered your people, redeemed your people so that they might worship you, you have done the same for us as you've delivered us from our sins. God, and we thank you for our great high priest, and we ask that you would help us see him more clearly. We thank you that there's no more need to offer bulls and goats. There's no more need for animal sacrifices because Jesus has died once and for all, and I pray that any, anyone who is here who is maybe exploring Christianity or is curious or is, is, does not believe that you would give them faith to, to see, to, to believe the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, and for all of us who, who are Christians, we pray that you would help us to be uh, priests that you've called us to be. That is, uh, that is to take the, the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and, and, and mediate between God and man by, by telling the gospel the good news. So I pray that for all of us who have jobs who have relationships, that you would make us successful by telling the good news of Jesus Christ and, and mediating your love to this world as we're ambassadors called by you. So those who are students, those who are um, employed, those who employ others, I pray that you would, you would give us grace to, to do our work as unto Jesus Christ, showing how much he has loved us. God and I ask that you would help our brothers and sisters who congregate in Corvallis who are, who, who are sister churches of ours, who are partners in the gospel, that we would band with them arm in arm and remember that the the kingdom of God is much bigger than, than the branch. It's much bigger than, than even this city, but we thank you that there are other gospel-preaching churches in this city, and we pray that you'd give them success as they preach the gospel. God, so... So be with our dear brothers and sisters at, at Grace City in Northwest Hills, and, and we, we pray for Calvin Prez and for Christ Central and, and uh, for Northwest Hills, and, and God, for Zion Lutheran and, and, and our other friends who are in this city proclaiming your word. Give them success. Give them joy as they behold Christ in the gospel. And may we rejoice in their success as others come to know you through their ministries. We pray that you would do this throughout the world, uh, all over, in every continent. May your name be praised. God, let the nations come to, to worship you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you'd raise up Christians who are both bold and humble in the hardest places on this earth? Would you send people from this congregation to the hardest places on earth to tell the good news of Jesus Christ and how Jesus has come to to be a sacrifice for sins, to, to restore a relationship with God? God, I pray that you would not only do that there, that you would do that for us. Please meet with us by your spirit this morning. God, I pray that the word that is preached would go down deep into our hearts, that it would shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ would be seen in us even today. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, and our great high priest, amen. So as we continue, we're we're nearing the end of our sermon series in Exodus, Delivered to Worship, God redeemed his people out of Egypt so they might worship him. And then he came to them so they might know how to worship him. He came to them on Mount Sinai and and with the law, and He's, he's giving them instructions on the tabernacle. And we saw last week how the tabernacle reminded us that God came to dwell with us. Because when Jesus came in John 1, 1, he said the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. That's the very word for tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. He tented among us. He wanted us to worship him. Now he's making the way for us to worship him by coming towards us. Jesus himself, even taking on the flesh, reminding us that he, his tent was human flesh, just like ours. But friends, in order to worship, we need someone to advocate for us. Have you ever been in need of an advocate? A mediator? It's not admitting to a serious crime, okay, but... Maybe you could just like say yes or no if you if you've <laughs> needed one. Have you, or, or, or maybe you know somebody, maybe that's easier. Have you known someone that's needed an advocate, uh, a mediator, someone to, to step in and, and advocate for you and, and to, uh, to mediate uh, before a judge because you've done something wrong or your friend has done something wrong. Someone has to step in in order uh, for justice and, uh, to, to happen. Well now, that God has come towards us in the tabernacle uh, to, to dwell with us so that we might worship him, we also need an advocate so that we might dwell with him. We might worship him. We need an advocate, a mediator, because God is holy and we are not. So what do you think God is going to do? God comes to us in the tabernacle, but we, we can't dwell with him because we're unholy. So what does he do? He provides an advocate, a priest. And he does so so that his people might be a kingdom of priests. In Exodus 19.6, he said that is what he had rescued his people to do, to be a kingdom of priests. And so Moses introduces the priests at the end of, of chapter 27. God has thought of everything needed for the tabernacle, including the lighting. How would the, the priests be able to see as they, as they perform their acts for worship? How would they be able to do the sacrifices without the lighting? Exodus 27, verse 20 says, you shall command the people of Israel that they bring you to you pure beaten olive oil for the light and that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn in the tent of meeting." outside the veil that is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. This is God's word. How would they be able to see? God commands Israel to provide the, light, the, the fuel for the light and the priests to continually be letting that light burn, helping that light to be burning. So Aaron and his sons were from the tribe of Levi, and it was they who carried the fire to keep the lamps burning. It was an image of what the whole nation was redeemed for, to carry the fire, to keep the lamps burning, so they might know that God brought them out. He, the Lord, brought them out of Egypt, so they might know that I am the Lord, their God, And so that God, the Lord, might dwell with them. Knowing these truths would help them become this kingdom of priests. So that the nations might know. And this was the whole purpose of Exodus, friends. God coming down to dwell with his people so the Israelites might know that he is the Lord. But also so that the Egyptians and all the nations might know that he is the Lord. They might shine as lights to the nations and they might be those who worship him. You know, God has delivered them so that they might worship. He's done everything uh, for them so that they might be redeemed. And God's redemption of his people brings with it a mission for his people. He, he, we, we never move on from worshiping God for our redemption. We never grow out of the gospel, the What worship propels us to shine as lights in a dark world, just like the the lamps burning in in the temple, we are to be lights shining for the world, but we need help in order to do that. And so in Exodus 28 and 29, we see that this nation of priests needed a priest. They needed a mediator to go between them and God. Why? Because God is holy, and they were unholy. And we, like them, need somebody who is holy to take us to God. So what does God do? God appoints a priest, appoints priests, clothes the priests, and atones for the priests. And that's gonna be the outline this morning. It's uh, two chapters, slightly less verses than last week. Uh, hopefully, we'll get done in about the same amount of time, but we're going to spend time in God's Word, reading His Word and, and explaining it. That's what we're going to do. And if we're going to be a king of a priest to God, we also need a priest who's appointed, clothed, and atones for our sins. So, in chapter 28, verse 1, we see that the priest is appointed. It says in verse 1, then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. And one thing to note about Aaron and his sons is they were from the tribe of Levi. And I, Tara Lee Cobble in her Bible recap pointed this out and I thought it was so helpful. In Genesis, Simeon and Levi committed treachery by deceiving the men who, who the, the, the nation uh, who had a man who raped their sister, Dinah. And, and, and they, wanted, in re, wanting to revenge their sister, they commit treachery, deceive and kill the men. You can read about it in Genesis 34, I won't take time to read it. And all, all I can say is that they were right to be angry about the rape of this, their sister, about wanting justice, but the way they went about it was treacherous and it brought shame on Israel. That's how the Bible describes it. But now, God has redeemed this tribe called Levi, the tribe of Levi, by giving them the privilege of being priests of God's people. What a redemption. They were to represent the people to God. It was, it was both a dangerous and a glorious calling. Hebrews tells us that for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins so he's holy, but he's not that holy, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself. This is the point here, friends. But only when, God, when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ, Christ himself did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So, even the the high priest did not volunteer for this situation, they were appointed. The high priest didn't didn't come recommended by the the rest of Israel. This wasn't a meritocracy, like they were the best of the best, so God chose them. No, they were appointed by God to be priests. Jesus Christ himself was appointed, Hebrews tells us, appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, God then appoints Jesus Christ as a great high priest like he did Aaron. Friends, the, the high priests were appointed by God himself, just showing once again that God is going to do everything needful for you to come worship him, including his, the redemption and, and including the, the, the priestly office, the mediatorial office that is needed to bring you into the very presence of God. Isn't he good? Isn't he kind? What kind of God does this? This wasn't like the Roman gods or the Greek gods. It wasn't wasn't like uh, the gods who uh, were vindictive and vengeful and sitting up waiting for us, waiting for the people to mess up. No, this is a God who is fully just, but also fully merciful and kind and gracious. And friends, he not only appoints the high priest, in in Acts 13, 47 and 48, Paul is on a missionary journey. He's coming to some Gentiles in Antioch, and he's preaching the gospel of good news. And he comes to the end of his, his sermon, and he tells them, for so the Lord has commanded us, that's he and his companions, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, I've made you a light for the, I've commanded you to do this, I have done this, that you bring salvations to the ends of the earth. That sounds exactly like what he is, he is wanting for Israel, and now in the church, he, he is doing this, you're a light for the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. And there's no place for pride in the Christian life, dear friend. I would not have chosen God, but God chose us, those who believe in him. God appointed all of those who would believe to eternal life. God so kindly has, has given you grace. And maybe you're not a Christian here. That you're here this morning, but you're not a Christian. The very fact that you're sitting under the gospel message is God's kindness to you. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home and you haven't yet believed. What a kindness of God to you for you to hear the good news that God is coming after you with his grace. He wants to dwell with you. Will you believe? Will you place your trust and hope in him? If you want to talk about that more after service, I would would love to talk to you or Maybe the person who, who brought you would, would talk to you about it. Please don't, don't end the day until you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to believe in him. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. But God called these priests, appointed them, but something else had to happen if they were going to be useful to him as his people, if they were going to become priests themselves. They had to be clothed. They had to be clothed. So God clothes his mediator, priest. Notice in 28 verse 2. And I'm just going to read some sections, not all of these. Uh, but just, just listen as, as I read. In verse 2 it says, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. And the NIV says to give him dignity and honor. Now, God is restoring the glory and beauty of in his creation. What was lost at the fall in the garden, God in his people is beginning this process of restoring his beauty and dignity in his image bearers. God is both glorious and beautiful, and his glory and beauty and are reflective, reflected in our glory and beauty as image bearers of God. And we will see that it's, it is seen in the garments which he clothes his chosen priests. And listen to, listen, and up, up on the screen, I think, will be a slide for the, the, the priest's garments. Yep, there it is. Hopefully, you can see that okay. Uh, I, I will read, it's gonna give you an overview of all the garments, and let's just, just see if you can, you can match which image goes with which garment, okay? So in verses three through five, there's an overview. It says, you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine twine linen. This is God's word. So God chooses the priest, and he gives wisdom to skilled workers so that these priests might be consecrated or, or set apart or holy. Holy. Because every time they're going into the the holy place and then the the most holy place, they are in danger of dying. Because if they bring in death or uncleanness before God, they will die. In fact, Nadab and Abihu offer strange fire, later on in the story of the Bible, offer strange fire before God and God strikes them dead because they, they refuse to worship God in his way. And so it's a dangerous job. And he's telling them, you must, be, you must be clothed the way I want you to be clothed. You must be clean the way I want you to be clean. You must be atoned for in the way I want you to. And so he clothes them. He clothes them in the same material as the tabernacle. It's, it's showing that uh, even the clothes of the priests, it's a, it's a seamless work. God comes to dwell with them, gives them a tabernacle, gives them priests, and then he clothes them with the same material that is found in the tabernacle, both glorious and beautiful, both holy and astonishingly beautiful. Friends, but this is not a fashion show. There's nothing wrong with fashion shows. Not that I know of, I don't think. Fashion shows are, are fine in and of themselves, but he doesn't dress them to show them off. He dresses them for work. He, he's, he's giving them work clothes. I used to work for FedEx, I had a uniform, it was so nice, you never had to choose what clothes to wear, it was just like, oh, yep, black and purple shirt, black shorts, black shoes. They weren't pretty though, maybe a little better than brown, but they weren't pretty. But they were work clothes, they were, they were there for a, a, to do a job, and this is exactly what these, these clothes were, glorious and beautiful, yes, but they were for the priests to do work, and in verses six through 14, Moses God describes to Moses the ephod. And the ephod is like a, it's a little apron thing with the, the checker work on it and would go over the priests i guess like a really long vest and it would it would be the it was the first thing they were to make it wasn't the first thing they would put on but it was the first thing they made and that was the, sort of the base of it and it was it was to be made of gold blue and silver as well and it and, and it had on it shoulder pieces and the shoulder pieces on the shoulder pieces were attached two edges so that they would be joined together. And it was the Bible tells us it was skillfully woven and beautiful. But on the, on the shoulder pieces it said, "You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names on one stone, and six of their names on the other stone, in the order of their birth." And he says, make it beautiful, just like a jeweler would engrave signets. So you shall engrave the stones and enclose and them and, and put them on their priests, on, on the shoulders of the priests. And Aaron, it says at the end there, I think in verse 14, shall bear their names before the Lord on his sho- two shoulders for remembrance. What was the work the priest was supposed to do? Bear the names of the people of God on his shoulders Before God Himself. The work the priest was given was to bring the people before God. This proved to be too much for Aaron, too heavy for him. The the breast piece you you can see next, you shall make a breast piece of judgment and skilled work in the style of the ephod. You shall make it. And, And it's supposed to be square. It was a square piece, and the and the square golden piece to it was attached. Twelve stones, one, two, three, in four rows. And in each of them were represented one of the tribes of Israel. And Aaron, verse 29, shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. The priest's work was to bear them on his shoulders before the throne of God, was to bear them on his heart as he comes before the holy place, before the throne of God, for remembrance and a, for, for a memorial before the Lord, to carry the fire for God's people, carry it in there as God's high priest representing God, man, to God. Why? Because God loves his people. Because he loves his people, he provides a way for them to be brought before him. Otherwise, they would not be able to. And yet, it proves too much for Aaron. The stones are too heavy. The responsibility is too heavy. He's a mere mortal, and he will die. His sons will take up his his work clothes, but they will die. Christian... God has, he has called you to this same kind of work. He has has called you to be a a kingdom of priests to God as well, to bring God's people before his throne. But it's too much for us too. Don't you see? There's only one who could do this. Who might that be? As you move on in the, in, in the clothing in Exodus 28, you, you see that there's some other things described, the Urim and Thummim. Now, I got everyone who grew up in Christian schools' attention. They've always wanted to know what this was. Anyone who hasn't read the Bible before is be like, I, I don't understand what this is all about. Well, I'll be honest with you, almost nobody knows what this is. There are just there are indications for what the urim and thummim are, and they're not pictured on the on the on the slide there. But um, there were two stones that all the indications of these stone, what they were used for, were they were they were stones. They were hidden hidden somewhere behind the breastplate, and they were for judgment. And the indications are when there was a, a hard case of judgment that they would ask the Lord, please give us. Urim or Thummim. Something like, Lord, if Doug is guilty, give the Urim. If Jason is guilty, give the Thummim. And then they pull it out, and it's, it's Urim or Thummim. And it's, so these are unclear cases, but that, that the Urim, and that God would use the Urim and Thummim to help in judgment. But we don't know for sure. It seems to be all the indications are pointing that way. It's, it's not the purpose, but God would have even the priests bear the means of judgment with them as they go before his throne, bear his people on their shoulders, bear the people on his heart, and bear the, even the outcomes of judgment were in God's hand, and as you go through, there's a, there's a robe in verses 31 through 35 that they were to make, and there was a turban, and on the turban there was something engraved that said, holy to the Lord, so that everywhere the priest went, he would, re, he would remember that this was holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord. And there was a sash, and you can, you can see the sort of belt-like thing that is there. And then even in verses 42 through 43, even their undergarments were, were given by God. Their nakedness was to be covered so that there was not, no hint of impropriety. And we see that even from the fall in the garden. Adam, God covers Adam and Eve so that they might come before him as holy people. But, the, dear friends, the, even in this, God is making a difference. He's making them holy. He's making a difference between them and the pagan religions all around them, which combined religious observances with sex all the time. And God said, this is not to be done among God's people. I will cover your nakedness. I will have your nakedness covered. Why? So that you, So I will make you for glory and for beauty. They were given clothes to do God's work, God's work of mediating for God's people. Not only so the light would shine out from the tabernacle, but so that the people would shine out as God's treasured possession. And what great lengths he went through to save them and to dwell with them, to redeem them and to be with them. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you, dear friend. But as I said before, Aaron he would die. Aaron's sons would die. Perpetually. They would die, die, and die. And finally, there would be no priesthood at all. In Hebrews 7:23 through 26, part of the the end of, of, of what Noah read for us. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, who's he, friend? Who is he? But he, yes, say it, say it, say his name. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest holy. Innocent, unstained, separated f- from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Friends, Jesus Christ, to best of our knowledge, never wore any of the priestly garments. He was from the tribe of Judah. He was not of the priestly class, but he became the high priest because he was clothed in righteousness. His life lived for you were his priestly garments. He was holy, holy, holy to the Lord. And as he makes intercession for you, you know that he goes into the most holy place, pure, clean, undefiled, clothed in righteousness. And yet that one, that high priest who's clothed in perfect righteousness, chose to make an exchange with you. Any of you who will, who will repent of their sins and turn to Christ, he will make a great exchange. You sitting right there, right now. Christ's clothes of righteousness, his, his robes of righteousness, he gave up when he died and he took on the robes of sin, your filthy, my filthy garments of sin on himself on the cross. Those sins that nobody else knows about, nobody else knows about. God knows about them. Jesus took them on himself. And if you will turn from those sins, he will give you his robes of righteousness. This is scandalous, friends. No other God would do this. Other gods would demand exact payment from, 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 from us. But not not God himself, not Yahweh, not Jesus Christ. He earns the righteousness, then gives it away freely to you. Clothed in righteousness. Jesus, clothed in righteousness, is willing to give his righteousness, impute his righteousness to you and have your sins imputed to him. That's your only hope of dwelling with God. That's my only hope. But friends, he was the the God's mediator was not just to be appoint, was not just appointed was not just to be clothed in righteous garments and holy garments. God also, God's mediator had to atone and be atoned for. In chapter twenty nine, we won't read much of it, but in it, you will see how costly sin is, and that it demands atonement. God is gracious and provides the means for atonement. So he, he gives, this is, seems really strange to the modern reader, that God would, why, why the bulls and why the rams and why the lambs and why the blood? Why all of that? And, and someone has said, if you are offended at, at the animal sacrifice, just think about it this way. The animal sacrifice was God's good provision for for his people to make way back to him, to atone for their sins. We should should not be as upset at the animal sacrifice as we are at our own sin. Our own sin necessitated the animal sacrifice. These innocent animals came, gave their, their innocent blood in the place of God's people, pointing to something else. So in verses 1 through 9, the the priest dressed for this. They had to be atoned for. They had to be consecrated, set apart, so that they go into the holy place, not only with their clothes, but also with the blood of bulls and rams and lambs. So they dress up. They're in their priestly garb, and they go in. And verses ten through fourteen says that you should, Priests, then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you will kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meetings. And shall take the part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and the rest of blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe and the liver and the two kidneys and with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So God commands a a sin offering to be made and then he commands a food offering. That there's two rams, and one was a food offering in, in verses 15 through 18. And the same thing, they'd put their hands on the ram, and then they would kill it. And then they would consecrate the priest by putting blood on the, the tips of the right ear and their thumbs and their toes. And that's a little weird, right? Anyone else think that? Or is just me again? No, it's, it's weird, right? But if, if you think about it, maybe, it just maybe, I could be wrong about this, but maybe God is consecrating their ears and their, and their hands and their feet. So wherever they hear, whatever they speak, whatever they touch and wherever they go, they're consecrated to the Lord. And they're remembered by the blood and by the blood alone are they consecrated. Their whole life is consecrated to this service of of ministering before God, bringing God's people before him. And friends, as they lay their hands on the animals, signifying the transfer of guilt to the animal, they need someone to pay for their sins. They would be reminded they need someone to pay for their sins. They cannot do it themselves. This was God's way of providing a substitute for them as they look forward to the final and greatest substitute. Dear friend, by faith, lay hold of Jesus Christ. By faith, lay hold of Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and man. There's no other human mediators. We're a kingdom of priests. We've been been made priests to God. We have direct access to him through Jesus Christ, our one mediator, through his Holy Spirit. So why did God provide a priest for the people? Why did God atone for the sins of the, both the priest and the people by animal substitute? Well, here at the end, the end of chapter 29, it's, it shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generation at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord where I meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And as, as the Lord in the earlier part of Exodus, would say, listen, I'm doing all these plagues, I'm doing all these disasters on people of Israel so that they might know that I am the Lord. Now he wants his people to know I am the Lord, your God. I've come to dwell with you, I've come to be with you so that you might worship me, so you might fulfill your purpose on this earth. God is bringing his people back. And friends, Hebrews 7 tells us that he has no need Like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Friends, if you can read throughout the whole Old Testament, you you will not see a priest crawling up on the altar himself to sacrifice himself. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus can do that. Only he was the perfect sacrifice. And God has done this in Jesus for you, that you might be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to him, Peter says. We're the priesthood of all believers is a, a doctrine based on these passages that says we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ and His Spirit. Now, so what, right? Who cares? I'm just giving you a lot of explanation, like the 30 minutes of explanation. Who cares? Now, branch church, we should care. God has made us kingdom of priests. So that, So what? So we can come in here and play church? No. so that we could come in here and worship God fully, so that we could bear the hearts of our brothers and sisters in this room as we leave this place. God has given you, dear, dear friend, dear family member, He's given you the privilege of, of prayer to. to to offer up prayers for, for people in this section and people in that section. All, all the people you, you meet during family time. He, he's, he's, given, he's given us this community that we might bear each other to God through Jesus Christ. That we might be priests and intercede for each other. But it's not just that. We're not only to stay inward, God wants us to go outward. He wants the light to shine. He wants us to carry the fire out. He wants us to carry it outward to those who haven't heard. To be a kingdom of priests is to mediate God's presence to people who haven't heard before. To tell the gospel, to tell the good news. And all of our and all of our awkwardness and all of our attempts that. Fail that we feel like fail most of the time as we mediate God's presence to people through the good news of the gospel. We, we are telling them, God has come to dwell with you. Will you believe it? Friends, we do that best together, we do that best as God's people. Yes, we, we have responsibility as individuals, but. We do that best as we invite each other into our, our friendships and our evangelistic relationships and, and, and all, all of the people that we work with and, and play with and our family members. We do this together as priests together. We're a nation of priests, God says. Friends, here's the great thing God appointed, clothed, and atoned for his high priests, pointing to our great high priests. All all the work of, of our great high priest done by Jesus himself. We are invited into this work as priests because his work has accomplished it all. The priest has done it. When we can enter into confidence, we don't have to enter fearing if we come into God's presence that he's going to kill us or that if we mess up the message of the gospel that he's going to kill us. No, we with love try to get the gospel right so that people might come to God. So that we might bear our brothers and sisters on our shoulders and our heart before God, knowing that Jesus has already done it perfectly. All our priestly work, does it matter? Well, none of it matters apart from him. But because of him, all of it matters. All of it does. And thanks be to God, our great high priest has accomplished it all for us.